Welcome to Radio J Root Healthy Living. Once again, my name is Eliezer Gruber, a certified nutritionist with offices in Borough Park in Yerushalayim. I am the developer of the Nutri-Supreme Research and Education Center located at 4315 14th Avenue in Borough Park. And my, and you, and my mission and, and vision and mission in developing this Nutri-Supreme Research and Education Center was to be able to educate, to bring awareness to the public, the value, and do I mean the value and the benefits of how healthy lifestyle changes, such as optimal nutrition, regular physical exercise, activity, we got to get on the move and start moving instead of sitting, proper sleep habits and stress management can have such a profound, a powerful, a profound effect on the quality of one's life, both physically and emotionally. After gathering some 20 years of data, researchers at the world-renowned Harvard School of Public Health confirm that healthy lifestyle habits, including maintaining a healthy, balanced diet and weight management, not smoking, that's a big problem today, smoking even among children and teenagers today is a very big problem, exercising regularly can decrease the risk of developing the common, the chronic diseases of today, as well as chas v'shalom, as well as dying from these diseases. Medicine today is just echoing, echoing what the Rambam said almost a thousand years ago, that these healthy lifestyle habits, eating habits, is at the forefront of optimal health and wellness. It's so crucial for us, no question so crucial for us to implement these things. There was a study published in the New England Journal of Medicine, a renowned, this is one of the most renowned publications of the, in, the, in the medical field, in the medical journals. This combined two major studies, very large studies, showing, demonstrating, uh, with 100, I believe there are 119,000 men and women for up to 24 years. Again, it's a major, major study. The results from this, that regular consumption of just nuts, we've spoken about almonds, we've spoken about pistachios, we've spoken about the whole range of nuts that we can, that from the Mediterranean type of diet. In fact, in nuts of any time was, is, was reported in the New England Journal of Medicine. People that had consumed on a daily, daily consumption of these nuts were less likely to die from heart disease, cancer, lung disease, and in fact, from all causes of mortality, compared to the people who were not eating nuts. Nuts, rich in healthy, unsaturated fats, protein, fiber, high in vitamin E and low in carbs. Previous studies have shown also have linked nut consumption to improvements in cholesterol, blood sugar, and blood pressure. This is only a small part, a very small part of the Nutri-Supreme Healthy Living healthy solution recommendations. So my mission, my mission, my vision and mission in the Nutri-Supreme Research and Education Center is to educate the public these essential, regarding these essential healthy lifestyle habits. I've been in the field for nutrition in mil- for over two decades now, for many years, and I see many conditions from head to toe, and finding a given root cause that will explain the occurrence of any one disease in all people is not possible. There is no single culprit that exists, and there is no single pill that will cure these conditions in every patient. 
There may be many, many flu- influences, environmental, nutritional defil- deficiencies and imbalances, which is major today. It's a very, very complex set of interrelationships among many factors for each, in con- for each condition. And approximately 12 years ago, I began to develop cutting edge, because of these nutritional deficiencies and imbalances, cutting edge formulations, working with doctors, PhDs, medical centers, science-based formulations in the dietary supplement field under the name of Nutri-Supreme Research Vitamin Company. Here again, my division and my mission was to create, to design formulations of the highest quality without compromising based on cutting-edge science-based research. So together, Baruch Hashem, I've, I've, together with the Nutritional Education, uh, Nutrition Education Center on 14th Avenue and the Nutri-Supreme line of products, seen major, major changes in the population that have come to us. And I want all of our listeners to realize there is so much hype. We spoke about last week, so much hype in the dietary supplement industry, which is approximately a $30 billion industry. Companies advertise. They take advantage of people. Products that you will have heard of, people that say, people that come with, that, have, that exhibit or that have baldness, don't have hair, they've lost their hair, premature baldness or premature grain. You take a certain product and you're going to have a head full of, full of hair and your hair is going to go from gray to back to black. So many companies are promoting things out there and, we're, and people fall prey to it. Or blood pressure. You take this particular pill, your blood pressure is going to go from 190 to over 100 to 120 over 80. Or a person who is not growing, a person is 5'4", 5'5", 5'6", and you take this pill and they're going to grow two or three inches. Don't buy into it. Don't buy into the hype these companies promote and promote on the bandwagon of just making a dollar. Don't, don't buy into this hype. Also, the testing of products. The testing of products today, Baruch Hashem, the FDA is getting much more involved with their GMP regulations. I see companies, I deal with so many manufacturing companies, heavy metal testing, pesticides, micros. You want to look for a high-quality product. And again, you want to protect your health taking the wrong product or too many products or products that are not tested for the contaminants that I've mentioned. You want to protect your health and you want to protect your pocketbook as well. Today's show, let's go on to today's show. We have a very special show today dealing with the important issue of anxiety in children and adults. It's major. We see so many people at the Nutri-Supreme Research and we get so many phone calls, anxiety, panic attacks, phobias, and children and adults, during this show, we will discuss what is normal anxiety and when is something that we should be concerned with, whether it's a child that is anxious before a test in school, a young man anxious about going on a shidduch date, or an adult anxious about an upcoming job interview. Anxiety is so prevalent in our daily lives today. During today's show, we will learn about ways to deal with these anxieties from a healthy living and nutritional perspective. And to help discuss this important issue from a psychological and an educational perspective as well, we're so happy today to welcome Mrs. Rivka Schoenfeld back to our show. Mrs. Rivka Schoenfeld is the founder, I'm sure all of our listeners know of her, is the founder of the SOS, of SOS and has been helping people overcome their challenges for over 30 years. 
a beloved teacher, a popular counselor, an educational, motivational writer. She has influenced literally thousands of lives. Mrs. Schoenfeld founded SOS on the premise that everyone, everyone can learn if they are giving the right tools and taught the right skills. Yes, the right tools and the taught the right skills. She dedicates herself to imparting those tools and skills to children, adolescents, and adults. As part of the healthy living concept, I'm a firm believer in dealing with all aspects of a problem, be it from a nutritional, a psychological, a social perspective, all aspects of the way we live and interact affect our physical and our mental well-being. Thus, the first part of this show, we will have Mrs. Schoenfeld discuss anxiety from a psychological point of view, and then at the second half, I will discuss what can be done to help to alleviate anxiety through nutrition and healthy living, which will take place during the second segment of the show. Welcome, Mrs. Schoenfeld. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Rabbi Eliezer. You're, you're amazing. Some of the answers I already heard about anxiety, exercise, and diet, a very, very crucial part of um, what we're going to be discussing today. People are so much less anxious when they exercise regularly and they diet. Not diet in the sense of eating, you know, foods that are, you know, minimal, but diet we're eating healthy each day and doing it on a consistent basis. I think that is key, as you said earlier. Very, very important. I would like to address and hear your, I'm sure you have a wealth of information for us um, some of the questions that have come to us at the Nutra Supreme Research and Education Center from mothers, from parents. Let's start with a question that's very, very, comes very often. Let's say the parent, the mother, sees a child is a bit anxious. So if you could explain to the listeners what is called a normal childhood anxiety, and when, the, when does a parent need to be concerned that the anxiety is something to be more, that's more serious and needs some a type of intervention? That's an excellent question. Almost all anxiety is normal. The word anxiety is normal. It's what you do with the anxiety that makes it normal or not normal. Because in reality, everyone is going to become anxious about changes, new experiences, new jobs, risks. But the way different people deal with those anxieties is the key. That is the key, the way we, our attitude, the way we deal with it. I'm writing a book now. In my new children's book that I'm writing about, I write that anxiety is like a monster. If we say yes to it and we think about it constantly, this monster is going to grow and grow and grow. But if we say no to it and we speak to our brain and say no and we don't listen to it, we are forcing this monster to shrink and disappear. Now, how do we say no to it? We say no to it by thinking about more pleasant things, looking at the nice things in life, thinking about pleasant experiences that we have with our family, with our friends, and we don't concentrate and dwell on the anxiety at hand. So how, do we do, how, do, how does a person, whether child, an adolescent, or adult, not be able to have the, the koyach and the power not to dwell and to put good thoughts into their head? We have to talk to our brain. That is the million-dollar question. That's why so many people today are suffering from anxiety. 
their worries are becoming out of control because they are not able to do it. And that's why we call it anxiety, because their worry, their constant fear, their constant stress, which are all synonymous, all three words, fear, worry, stress, it is getting out of control. And then they develop disorders as a result of it. Could you, could you uh, say... Um to our listeners, explain to our listeners maybe some of the different types of, let's say, anxiety depending on the different age groups? Sure. They're basically, it doesn't even go into an age group because I've seen this in my office happen to all age groups. A panic disorder. A panic disorder could happen to a child as well as an adult. Panic disorder is accompanied by panic attacks, which include feelings of fear, dread that come with no warning. They're associated with, they start sweating, they have chest pain, irregular heartbeats, trouble breathing. How many calls I get from people, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. But in reality, it's just an anxiety attack, and they think they're getting a heart attack. Mm-hmm. So what Many we- attacks that people are experiencing are really anxiety, and they think they're getting a heart attack. They call Hatzalah, they think they're having a heart attack. Yeah, I know. I know people have gone to the actually hot has taken them to the hospital because of a, of Just a panic attack. a pure attack. anxiety attack. Right. I hear this, I would say, three, at least minimum three times a week in my office. Wow, wow. Then there's another disorder, obsessive-compulsive disorder, where it's become sometimes in a slang, people say, oh, you're OCD. They, they worry to such a degree and feel so uncontrolled that they start feeling that if they do certain things like hand washing, checking, counting, cleaning, tapping, their stress will go away because otherwise they feel that something harmful or dangerous will be happening and they won't be able to control it. So they do some hopping or stamping or hand washing or counting or checking or Erev Pesach, people are going crazy with the cleaning to to such large degrees that it's getting completely out of control. So they think by their anxiety is being helped by doing these rituals. And come, to, and come to Pesach during the Seder night, to fill the chiyuvim, the arisa, they're, they're totally out of it because of all their, whatever you want to call it, OCD, and they're cleaning before Pesach, pre-Pesach. Right, and according to the uh, Obsessive Compulsive Foundation, it's written that one out of every 50 Americans have OCD. Just took a survey. One out of every 50 Americans. That's pretty scary. It's very scary. Very scary. Then there's another anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. This is anxiety and stress about a traumatic event in someone's past. So they, either something happened to them, someone was mugged, or some domestic violence, or terrorism, or natural disasters, or some accident an adult or a child may have experienced. Children who experience this extremely disturbing event might subsequently develop generalized anxiety, which is PTSD, and it's often triggered by sounds, smells, or sights that remind the sufferer of the trauma. I'll give you some examples, like they're feeling anger, irritability, substance abuse, guilt and shame or self-blame, depression and hopelessness, feelings of mistrust and betrayal, headaches, stomach aches, chest pain. This is all under the category of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. 
I, I mean, I see in our community these these uh, disorders are like it seems like Rachmaninoff's It's like they're just surfacing like at a very alarming rate. And it's all because of worries that became anxieties and stress and fears that weren't dealt with. Here's another one: social phobia. Social phobia is characterized by an overwhelming fear when confronted with social situations. For example, those people with social phobia have a strong fear of being judged by others or publicly embarrassed. So people with social phobia are afraid of doing easy, common things in front of other people. For example, what you and I would seem is very easy and not a big event they may be afraid to eat or drink something in front of someone else or drink a coffee at a coffee shop because sometimes they end up staying and sometimes they end up staying away from people and crowds because they're so fearful of being judged and embarrassed in public so does it stem you think from a very low self-esteem profile it definitely is connected definitely very excellent remark it's definitely connected with low self-esteem it seems like we live in a generation today where more and more, it seems like as years go on and decades go on, the, the self-esteem today is getting more and more among our population, low self-esteem. Right. What do you contributed to? I really contributed to being more nurtured at home and parents being so, so, so busy with themselves. I feel that we need to nurture our children more, speak to our children more, really speak out, pro, be proactive in dealing with our families. Speak to them, spend more family time together, give them undivided attention, recognize their achievements, don't shush them all the time. Like, really nurture them and value them as people and speak to them about issues and not just texting them and talking on the phone and shushing them, but really making every opportunity to spend family time together that will build self-esteem in a very very big way in other words take the phones off the hook at night the parents are working during the day they come home take the phones off the hook hook during the during the night when they're with their children and stop having interruptions with the phone calls or the texting or whatever other communication right nurture the child value the child compliment the achievements work together with the family it's so important that will build up a child not only a child's self-esteem, but an adult self-esteem. We're living in such a rushed world. Fax it, text it, call it. We, don't, we barely have time to talk to people anymore. Right, great we advice. We text our family, we email. We don't speak to people anymore. Right, great advice. Right, you're right, 100%. Other anxiety disorders? There was disorders? one more that I would like to throw in here in the group generalized anxiety disorder this anxiety disorder is the least specific but one of the most prevalent people with a generalized anxiety disorder feel severe tension and worry even when there is little or absolutely nothing to provoke that fear that is a serious serious issue okay i can if i can ask i'll go into some specific questions to you Let's say there is parents, let's say a three- to a four-year-old child, toddler, gets very nervous about being in the dark, and, and the mother can't stay with the child in the room, and the mother even has a nightlight in the room, but the child gets so nervous and so fearful in the dark. 
what would you recommend? I would personally recommend sitting with the child a little bit. Sitting with the child and just, as the child gets more comfortable, just sliding out. Once the child feels comfortable and we read stories to the child, we can even bring a book about children who are afraid of the dark. There are so many written today and explain to the child that there's nothing wrong and the mother should say, I'll constantly come in and check on you. And that many, many times helps the child tremendously. Well, wow, that's great advice. Uh, let's say, let's go now to an older, let's say an older child, a 10-year-old, very, very hardworking student. And while this child is, knows the material quite well, she makes such careless errors on the test, probably because of her nervousness, anxiety, when she takes the test in school. What advice could you give to the parents to help her, this 10-year-old, this, this when she before taking tests and at the time taking tests, to have a better experience? My advice is that each child, if they would prepare slowly and do it gradually, they will do extremely well. If they cram and they just waste their time just cramming a night before the test, that will make them over-anxious and they will do poorly on the test. If they gradually absorb the information, they will do extremely well. Mm -hmm. What else? Maybe some other factors that could be implemented that this... Good note-taking, being calm, gradually having the notes, being organized. All these little tricks of reviewing work every single day would be tremendously helpful when a child needs to take a test. And the mother's sitting with the child, if it's a young child, and reviewing. And if not, the child could even work with a friend on the phone or just do it slowly and methodically. I guess all of us today procrastinate and with children and before tests or teenagers, or even college students, before tests, they procrastinate, right? It just, I guess, adds to their anxiety and nervousness because they're, they're just cramming, 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 just like a day, two days, or a week before the test. I think what you see, the advice you're giving is phenomenal. I think if they would just go slowly and study well, well in advance of the test, know the material well, read it to their parents, read it, you know, and, and, and write it down, know it well, they'll go into the test much less nervous and much less anxious. Definitely, definitely. Okay, we have another question for you, for your such wealth of information over here. A, let's say a husband and wife, they're both very sociable people, and they have a lot of friends, and it mm -hmm. pains them so much when they see their, ch their child, their daughter, or son having such a hard time when it comes to friends. And the girl could be the child, the teenager, could be such a nice, loving girl. And gets a, when it, she gets along with everybody when it comes like to a one-to-one -one interaction with her classmates or friends. But when she gets into a setting in a large room with a, a, you know, a, a nice amount of people, 10, 15, 20, 25 people, she starts to freeze. So mm -hmm. that, what would you suggest? And the parents are both such sociable people, but the, the child seems like very gets a lot of anxiety when she... Uh, when she's around a lot of people? My advice would be uh, first to invite children over, observe a little bit how the child is playing with the other children, and try to mediate when the child goes away, when the friends go away, and see where the child is falling short. And if the child is constantly not able to communicate and know what to say, know how to play with the games, the child would benefit tremendously from an, you know, a professional or even a mother or father sitting with the child and teaching the child the games 
the social cues, you know, maybe some social skills training also would help the child tremendously. Well, that's such great advice. Another question I would like to ask you, let's say we have a, a young boy, he's such a wonderful boy, but he has certain learning disabilities, mm-hmm. right, which makes it such difficulties for him in the school setting. But he's making great progress with even though he has these learning disabilities, and but he gets very agitated, and he even becomes disruptive, I guess because of his frustrations when he's at family gatherings. So would you say this is connected to his learning disability, and what can the parents do to help him in other words, with even though he has these learning disabilities, now to be interacting without getting such so agitated and disruptive? Well, he doesn't have those cues. What we need to teach him is the nonverbal cues. Many children don't have that processing ability to observe and you know and understand what's going on so they are having this disability what they need to do is they need to actually um, speak with somebody and learn from teachers from educators exactly certain small cues that they're doing wrong they're totally they're missing that sixth sense where they need that little bit of education to learn those social cues i would say education in this situation would be the best well, this uh, I'm excited about your new book coming out. We need all the information for parents, need all the information they can get in order to have these cues and be able to help them to guide, to navigate their children with all these issues, as, as we're discussing today's show, stresses and anxiety. Rebbe Eliezer, what I would like to say is sometimes people ask me that their anxiety usually increases when they feel stressed out. Is there a connection between anxiety and stress? That is a very common question that I'm always asked. And I would like to share the answer with you. Please, please. Anxi- anxiety and stress, are, they are the same. They are basically the same. Because I read a book by Dr. Robert Maurer who discusses how our minds adjust to change. And he mentions that as adults, we talk about stress and anxiety rather than fear. But in reality, we only call, call those things stress because that's an acceptable way for us to discuss our fears. So anxiety and stress are probably just the same thing, but the way we say stress, we say the word stress because we don't want other people to think that we're anxious people. Right, you're 100% right, that's so true. And I'd also like to share some more points here. What could we do to minimize anxiety? That is a very, very a key question here. Could anxiety be managed? Yes, definitely. Anxiety can be managed. Anxiety can be managed, but it is a constant endeavor to shrink that monster that we spoke about earlier. Because if people are inclined to anxiety, we need to work on certain key points. Treatments for anxiety could be cognitive behavior therapy, relaxation therapy, medication, dietary or lifestyle changes, as you said earlier. But the first step is to figure out what is making you anxious and then moving from there to appropriate remediation. Well, yeah. Here's another one. A son in the city, uh, in a shidduch parasha, some, some woman called me up and said her son is a wonderful boy and he's, he's in shidduchim. 
and he's always getting nervous and anxious when he goes on a date. What can the mother do to help him? So I say a lot of young people are nervous when they go on shidduch dates because so much pressure is put on every individual interaction. So my suggestion is for those people in the shidduch parsha, they should definitely try social skills training. Social skills training helps them work on their verbal and their nonverbal communication, such as eye contact, body language, listening skills. This sounds intuitive. Like, everyone knows this. To a lot of us, it is. But there are a lot of people who need that direct instruction to feel comfortable with these unwritten rules. Right, this is so true. So Here's true. another example. A person interviewing for a job. While they're normally confident people, they just can't get that job interview. Their hands get clammy, their mouth goes dry, and when they go on interviews, they can't get over this. So what is good advice to help these young people or older people go on a job interview? The first thing is, as I said earlier, when, you know, when you asked me the question about the test, prepare for the interview. Research the company, the position, and the person that will be interviewing you with. The person, many times a certain person has a certain approach and will be so much easier if you know who the person is that will be interviewing. Then you could role play. Work with someone and role play the interview before you actually go because role playing can allow you to enter the interview as if you've done it before and you should minimize the anxiety. That will certainly help minimize the anxiety. Also the Here's community. another good one. Camp. Now there's a big issue with camp. Should a mother send a child to camp? They're considering to send a 10-year-old child to sleepaway camp. But she's nervous about being away from home. What can we do to minimize her fears? Is separation anxiety normal in children this age or not? So separation anxiety is normal. It starts when kids are six months old. But as they grow older and more separation is expected, they can experience separation anxiety again. So there are a few things you can do to minimize the anxiety. Talk about the specific fears that she has. Many children fear that their parents will disappear if they go away for too long. Legitimize these fears. Validate the child. But let her know that you are always going to be there for her. Right. Support. Work out a plan. If this is her first year going to sleepaway camp, maybe you can see if the camp will let her sign up for two weeks instead of four weeks. If this child knows that she's only going for two weeks, she will want to stay the other two weeks or the other six weeks because she won't be so nervous about being away so long from her parents. Send along safe objects from home. Give her pictures and other sentimental objects that she can hold on to when she feels nervous. Get her comfortable with her bunkmates. Find out which of her friends are going to camp and try to put them in the same bunk. Right. That's great advice. We have Here's another one. Is anxiety genetic? Research shows that anxiety runs, yes, it runs in families. But that doesn't mean you have to be anxious if your parents are anxious or that doesn't mean that you're exempt from anxiety if no one in your family suffers from it. So anxiety can come from your lifestyle or other environmental factors. Right, no question about it. 
Andra Beliezer, you asked me earlier, what can we do to raise confident children who are not overly worried or anxious? Perhaps the most important part to raising confident and non-anxious children is your own response to anxiety. That, I believe, is the, the key here. If children see us anxious, they will be anxious. If they see that we are calm, they will be more calm. We are their role models. It's not do as I say. It's what they see us do. See, if you are anxious and let that monster that we discussed at the beginning of the interview grow, then it's going to dictate your every move, even while parenting. So... You are going to respond to your children's requests with anxiety and going to make them nervous about their homework because you're nervous about their homework. Or then they, when they grow up and they're going to be late, they're going to worry about being late or wearing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing or cooking the wrong dish for their guests. And if they hear you're worrying about all those things, they will become worried. But if they see that you are confident and you reassure them, you will be raising confident children if you are going to stay confident yourself. Great, great advice. Uh, we have time for one more question before we take a break. We have, we'll call him Chaim. It's a made-up name. We'll call him Chaim. Chaim is in a class, and he gets picked on. He's called names. They, people, his classmates, they can even throw things at him. He's having a very, very difficulty, very difficult time. The parents have been in touch with the Rebbe and the English teacher, and, the son, and, the, and it's somewhat under control, but the son doesn't want to go to school. He's just afraid of getting picked on, getting thrown things thrown at him, or, or, or his not being able to fit into the chevre, into the crowd, and they're all picking on him, or several boys in the class are picking on him. So each morning, the parents almost have to literally force this Chaim to get on the school bus and go to the school. What is the proper way do you feel that a parent should act with this child or, or how they should navigate this child, in other words, to overcome his fears and anxieties so he doesn't have to be forced to get on the school bus and go to school? How old is this child? He's 10 years old. Well, this is such a serious problem. That's why I wrote the book, My Friend the Bully. Bullying, there should be a no-tolerance policy for bullying. And I feel just as parents have to make their home a safe home for children at home, I feel the school must make the environment a safe environment for Chaim at school and for all Ayyadisha Kindalach. I feel that what needs to be done is the parents need to sit down with the child at home and find out all the details and find out what's going on. And then what needs to be done is a private discussion needs to be with the teachers and even it may need to go to the principal so that we help this child um, survive in school. Because if a child is always worried that he or she will be bullied, that is, it will affect the child till adulthood and also won't allow the child to master their studies in any way because they will always be worried in class what is going to happen recess time and their mind will be on recess. Their mind will not be on the studies at hand, because social interaction in school is crucial. I would even opt to say that social interaction is more important than the work at hand in many, many situations. Because if a, so a child is socially strong, they will know their work so much better. 
And if they're socially weak and the children are making fun, that will destroy them for life. Wow. Mrs. Schoenfeld, you've given our listeners, as always, such a wealth of information over here. Can you, um, before you, um, I would like you to give out the numbers where the easiest way for people to contact you. So our listeners, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will want to contact you. Can you please give out that information sure. to us? May I just say one more thing before we close? Yeah, please. I was at a very, very informative workshop by Dr. Ross Green last Thursday. And I would like to share with the audience three key words in dealing with their children, whether it's ODD, whether it's anxiety, whether it's ADHD, any of the A, B, C, D, E, F, Gs. Okay? Number one, the key word was, number one, empathize with your child. Understand your child. Number two, define the problem. Gather the information and define the problem. Number three, invite solutions and include your child in the decision-making. If parents will do those things and be proactive, besides, as I always say, Davin and have Siata Dishmaya, we will have strong, healthy children and adults. My number, in case any of the listeners would like to speak with me with pleasure, my number at SOS is 718 382 Five four three seven. It's always a pleasure, Rebbe Eliezer, being on the show. It's always. a pleasure Looking to have you again. To many your, more shows together. Your wealth of information is so important, so crucial for our audience. Thank you so much for being on the show. We're now going to just take a, about a two-minute break, and then we'll be back with nutritional information regarding anxiety and stress.
Welcome back to Radio J Root Healthy Living. Once again, my name is Eliezer Gruber. We just had the pleasure of listening to Mrs. Rivka Schoenfeld, who has given us a roadmap on how to deal with anxiety from a psychological point of view. For the remainder of this show, I will discuss a roadmap on how to deal with anxiety and stress from a nutritional and lifestyle, other lifestyle habits, what can reduce tremendously, tremendously anxiety and stress. Anxiety... Anxiety is just the body's natural, natural response to a danger. It's an alarm that goes off when a person feels threatened. All of us, I'm sure all of us has experienced anxiety in our lifetime, stress. A person feels threatened under pressure and or feeling a stressful situation. For many people, many people, muscle tension. People come to me with fibromyalgia, muscle tension, Restlessness, panic, panic attacks, even not panic attacks, less than panic attacks, but they feel so anxious, they have anxious thoughts, they have fears that something terrible is going to happen. So these fears, or they could be fears, fears of embarrassment, humiliation, as Mrs. Schoenfeld spoke about, and we spoke about in the setting, in a classroom setting, or shidduch setting, people feel, they, they, whether it's the low coming from their low self-esteem, they're not prepared, they feel they can feel embarrassed. They can feel humiliated. The physical symptoms, as we've spoken about earlier, Mrs. Schoenfeld, the rapid heartbeat, the sweating, the dizziness, the shortness of breath. Some people have phobias. I have people that come to the Nutri Supreme Research and Education Center. Phobias. It could be heights. It could be airplanes. I have people come to me. They're afraid to get on an airplane. The height going onto an airplane or just going to the airport, sitting at the airport before boarding the aircraft. Bridges, going on bridges, going in elevators, anything from mild to severe symptoms. This, it, it could, so many people exhibit these symptoms or these, these fears, these, these anxieties and stress. And actually, actually, in truth, anxiety could be a very good thing if it's in moderation. It's a part of life. It's a part of our physiology to be anxious at certain times. If a person at a, at a, in moderation anxiety, a person becomes more alert, they become more focused, motivation. I know when I used to prepare for bechinas, of course I would get anxious. I'm preparing for a big bechina, but I, my work was, my, my preparation was much better. I knew the material better. I was pressured in something. Some people don't work so well under pressure. Baruch Hashem, I was able to work well under pressure. But we, at the end of the day, anxiety could be a good thing if it's kept, if it's balanced and not out of hand. We have in our nervous system, we have a sympathetic nervous system, a peripheral nervous system, a sympathetic, a parasympathetic. When a person is anxious, stress, he's in a, he's in a sympathetic nervous system mode. That's when the anxiety starts to get increase. And it, the classic case is, I, re, I mentioned to our listeners a while ago, um, the, the renowned stress expert, fear expert, phobia expert in this country, 
Dr. Robert Sobolski, Sobolski at Stanford Medical Center, who wrote the book, Why Zebras Do Not Get Ulcers. Yeah, why zebras do not get ulcers. Zebras, if they're running for their life from an attack from a tiger, so they're scared, they're frightful, they're fearful that they're going to be eaten up. However, that doesn't last such a long period of time. Once they, they escaped from the tiger that's, that's chasing them, then they go back to a normal, into a parasympathetic, out of their sympathetic mode to a parasympathetic mode, and they become now calm, they calm down, they become relaxed, easygoing. That's why they don't get ulcers. In today's society, we're living in a stressed-out generation. It's chronic, chronic, chronic. I've mentioned before that if you have the garbage trucks and the and the hot solas and you're backed up on a one-way street in Borough Park and you can't get by, what is happening to yourself? What are your thoughts when you're when you're now backed up by and you can't taking you to get it's taking you 10, 15, 20 minutes to get down one from one avenue to another? Or what happens when you're behind a school bus and you can't go and you can't, you're trying to back up, you start getting nervous. Or in the bank when the line is going very slow and the person is at the teller taking so much time. Do you get anxious or nervous? What are you telling yourself? We live in a chronic anxiety stress mode. That's why when zebras do not get ulcers, they don't go through what we go through. Many of us go through that. So again, we want to reduce the anxiety, the stress, or the, what comes from out the outcome of this chronic anxiety stress mode. When a person is anxious chronically, not in a good way, the cortisol levels, the adrenal glands, you have an adrenal gland above each kidney. That means you have two adrenal glands. Cortisol levels start going up. Once cortisol levels go up, it affects thyroid function, and it make, a person becomes, it exacerbates the problem. A person becomes more anxious. A person becomes more stressed. So when you have high cortisol levels for a period of time, it can affect memory. Where's my glasses? Where are my keys? I can't find. Where did I park my car? Because your cortisol levels are chronically high. This is a very, very big problem. It's dealt with in functional medicine, which we practice at the Nutri Supreme Research in education, in a function, look at the whole body, body, body and mind, not just at one part. So again, when it starts to interfere, the anxiety interferes with relationships. The shalom bias, when it interferes with, with your relationships at, at, in, in the work setting, and it, the person, it becomes not, the function of the person becomes compromised, this is when it becomes a problem. Many become, so many people, as I mentioned, become more irritable. They become extremely tense. They develop insomnia. They can't sleep. They finally fall asleep at 3 in the morning, and they wake up at 5 in the morning. This quality sleep is compromised. The quantity of sleep is compromised. They develop headaches, migraine, chronic migraine or tension headaches. Or they develop, they get extreme fatigue, or they can even trigger an OCD. It can even uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, disorder, or it can even trigger a depression. IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Some people that have irritable bowel syndrome triggered tremendously by chronic stress and anxiety. They can have constipation, they can't go to the bathroom. Many, many times they have chronic diarrhea 
going to the bathroom, it interferes with absorption. They don't absorb. That's maybe one of the reasons why I see on blood tests why young people have low B12 levels, why men even have low iron levels, low ferritin levels. Their transit time in from when they eat something till they go to the bathroom is so quick. And a lot of times it's because under stress and anxiety. Besides, now, obviously, we want somebody is going through something very serious, whether it's anxiety or stress, depression, whether it's a bipolar, whether it's a unipolar depression, they need to seek professional help. And if it's going, if it's on a chronic, chronic basis, but I would like to at least give you from a nutritional perspective, from a lifestyle perspective, perspective, a roadmap of things that you could implement that can have such a powerful, such a profound positive effect against this chronic anxiety. The first thing I tell people is, listen, let's get yourself a good night's sleep, a quality, quantity sleep. So some people say, but Mr. Gruber, I can't fall asleep. I can't go to sleep. But let's just, let's start from, from olive base. Again, we want to get a good night's sleep. What's called a good night's sleep? We'll, it, we'll, we'll go into how we can get a good night's sleep if you have a hard time sleeping or if you have an insomnia or you wake up in the middle of the night. But a good night's sleep means, especially if you're under a lot of stress and anxiety, means a good eight to nine hours of quality sleep. It can do wonders. I mean wonders for you. It's crucial also to go to sleep when the small hand is on the left side of the clock, not straight up or not on the right side of the clock. Ideally, a good profile, sleep profile would be to go to sleep when you're under a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, 10 o'clock. If you could go to 10 o'clock and sleep to 6 to 7 o'clock in the morning would be phenomenal. Somewhere again between 9.30 and 10, not later than 11 o'clock. We have a circadian cycle. And in Chinese medicine, there's no question, there's a difference between going as if a person, let's say, gets eight hours sleep. One person goes to bed at 10 and wakes up at 6. One person goes to bed at 1 and wakes up at 9. Or 12 midnight and wakes up at 8. There's a big difference, even though the people, these two people are getting the same eight hours sleep. You want to go to sleep early and wake up early, refresh. Now, if you have a problem of falling asleep, the stress, the anxiety, is contributing to your insomnia, and either you can't fall asleep or you can't stay asleep. So try taking calcium, magnesium with vitamin D before bedtime. Try 500 milligrams of calcium. Make sure it's not calcium carbonate, a good form of calcium, whether it's citrate, citrate malate, demalate, a good form of calcium and a good form of magnesium. At least, let's say, 500 calcium, I would say, is a good dosage, 250 magnesium, and if that doesn't work, you can even try two dosages once, let's say, at around 6 o'clock in the afternoon, at, at early evening, and once before you go to bed. If that doesn't work for you, if it's not strong enough because the, 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 the insomnia is too severe, then Baruch Hashem, Nutrisupreme just recently launched a product called SureSleep, SureSleep, S-U-R-E, Sleep. It's a phenomenal product, has three ingredients, and I've had, we've had tremendous results with it to get into a good sleep. We want a deep sleep, quality and quantity sleep. Exercise, number two, exercise. Phenomenal for stress and anxiety. At least 30 minutes. If you're out of shape, work up to 30 minutes a day. 
either some type of a, a cardio exercise. Brisk walking is a great Bez Hashem. The weather, we've gone through a very, very difficult winter. Now the weather, the, the temperatures start to rise, I believe, the end of this week and next week. Brisk walking, 30 minutes. 30 minutes, you should be able to get to two miles a day. Maybe not right away. Try and walk two miles in 30 minutes, as long as you don't have any cardio issues that have to be okayed by your cardiologist. Brisk walking, treadmill, swimming, these are cardio exercise. Get your heart beating 60 to 80% of your maximum heart rate. Most people, that's going to be around 120 beats per minute. Again, if there's any cardio issues, make sure you get clearance from the cardiologist. Light weight lifting three times a week, not as much as the cardio. You can do wonders, wonders, wonders. Calisthenics, get your body Exercise all parts of your body, warm-up periods before you do your cardio exercise. Exercises from all parts of the body, from head to toe, can be phenomenal, can reduce the stress and anxiety tremendous. Healthy eating habits. We don't want to go into a hypoglycemic mode. That means we eat foods that exacerbate or cause spikes in blood sugar, spikes in insulin. It exacerbates tremendously anxiety and stress. So you want, to vote, you want to avoid this low blood sugar. Eat small meals. Large meals also put a, much, it puts a stress on the body, causes more issues. You don't digest your food well. Chew your food well. Food well and eat small meals could do wonders. Large meals, again, can exacerbate the anxiety and make you more fatigued. Healthy protein, include with each meal a protein. Eggs, we've mentioned as a good protein. Chicken, fish, fish, the Mediterranean type of diet we've spoken about. Healthy protein. If you don't, not getting enough protein. Baruch Hashem, Supreme has a whey protein. You can make a shake with it. You can make a smoothie. Next week, in Mitzvah Hashem, we hope to have, it's being airshipped in, we hope to have a whey protein with 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 um, erythritol and, and stevia. No calories, only a little bit of calories from, or a little bit of sugar from the lactose. Phenomenal, phenomenal product. I don't mean no calories. I mean no sugar, rather. Only a couple grams sugar from the from the lactose, which is a in all milk all milk dairy products. Again, healthy protein, healthy fats, fats. As we mentioned, the Mediterranean diet we spoke about in the beginning of the show in the introduction, nuts reduced the incident and a study of over 100, 120,000 people of, of cancer, heart disease from published in the New England Journal of Medicine, great for, for stabilizing blood sugar, nuts, seeds, avocado, olive oil, omega-3 fatty acids, phenomenal. So the healthy fats and the protein will help stabilize your blood pressure. You won't be on a seesaw, which again will exacerbate the problem of the stress and the anxiety. Whole grain carbs, not your refined sugars, not your refined grains, not your that are depleted. You want whole grains. But keep the, the carbs to a minimum, not so high, healthy fats and healthy protein, stabilizing blood pressure, but the carbs, again, should be whole grains. The carb meal should be at night. At night, when you're under a lot of stress, it may help you sleep better for different reasons, mechanisms we've spoken about in the past. Rainbow color of fruits and vegetables, all your different colors, your purple and your blue and your green and your yellow, antioxidants, support your nervous system, support your detoxification. You have high, people have high cortisol levels. We got to deal with that. Rainbow color of fruits and vegetables. Drink plenty of clean water. Of Try and avoid caffeine. Caffeine and and um, sugary drinks not good at all for people under stress. 
people that become more irritable, more irritable again, this, this is a terrible thing for them. So we want to be able, again, to, from, a, from a new lifestyle perspective, our sleep, our exercise, deep breathing also. Deep breathing, we mentioned in the past, the stipers, mentioned to somebody that I know, deep breathing, who he went to the stipers, having panic attacks. You're not breathing properly. Sit in a quiet room, a dark room, soft music, soft music and deep breath, taking deep breaths. Your stomach should be going up and down. Not shallow breathing can do wonders for anxiety and, and stress. If a person is is already what I call like stressed out, besides things I mentioned for good, healthy sleep and the diet and the exercise and the breathing. We, Baruch Hashem, Nutra Supreme has two products, great for the stressed out person, the adrenal person, the adrenal, high adrenal or, or a chronic adrenal function, uh, cortisol, high cortisol levels. Nature's calm with L-theanine and magnesium, phenomenal. Magnesium is phenomenal for, phenomenal for adrenal function. Also, Baruch Hashem, we have a product called Nature Ultra Calm Caps. Has in it one pill. The dosage is three to four pills. Lemon balm, passion flower, rhodiola, ashwagandha, L-theanine, holy basil. Loaded, loaded, loaded for proper adrenal function to reduce cortisol levels. I hope all of you, if you have any questions, I'm going to give out the numbers. I've just got a cue now. Our time has run out. The number for the Nutra Supreme Research and Education Center located at 4315 14th Avenue. The local number is 718-853-0644. The 800 number is 888-68-NUTRI. The, my email, if you have a question or you want, you have a subject matter you would like me to address on the show, I'm more than welcome to have, happy to hear your suggestions. E. Gruber at NutriSupreme.com. Our website is www.NutriSupreme.com. I wish all of you a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos.